Welcome into another edition of Star Chat. Along with Jared Sandler, I am Ari Temkin, and Randall Cobb joins the podcast this week. Cowboy slot receiver, former Green Bay Packer, who's now having a decent year with the Cowboys and is, when you look back on the season, his best game was against the New York Giants week one, where he scored his only touchdown of the season so far. He had 69 yards and a touchdown, so we'll talk with him about that, maybe some things that he can uh, take into this game against the Giants uh, on Monday night, but... Jared, let's start with the bye week and a very active bye week for the Cowboys. First, they make the trade and bring in Michael Bennett. A great move. I mean, basically a l- no risk whatsoever beyond the, any risk you think there is in terms of bringing this guy to the clubhouse locker room. But um, you trade basically a conditional seventh-round pick for Michael Bennett. And with the Cowboys' recent seventh-round picks, those have been conditional anyways, guys that haven't made the roster. But they don't add Jamal Adams. So before we discuss whether or not they should have your thoughts overall on the Cowboys trading that conditional seventh for Michael Bennett and then restructuring his contract to make him a free agent after the season. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, what's the risk? And I don't I don't think that Michael Bennett is more of a clubhouse risk than Randy Gregory. Uh or right. or excuse me, not Randy Gregory, uh what's his face? Greg Hardy. Right. Got my E's mixed up. Greg Hardy or uh uh, Rolando McClain or any of these guys they've brought in who have had quote unquote baggage. And, and I guess Randy Gregory had baggage, although he, you know, I don't think it was like the unfriendly volatile kind. He just, right. you know, he, a little bit of a weed thing, but, uh, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Michael Bennett is, is more volatile than past cases. And I think that, you know, you can criticize Jason Garrett a lot and a lot of it is deserved, but, I do think that he's demonstrated an ability to either create a culture or empower players to create a culture to keep the ship moving forward. Uh, and so, to me, that's not a huge risk. The only reason why it would be a risk is if you believe some of these, you know, these things out there that maybe this locker room this year is a little more fragile, a little more uh, anxious than in years past, but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, he he offers you some flexibility. You can play him on the inside. I mean, you pair him with Demarcus Lawrence. That makes a pretty good tandem. We've talked about how they don't have a lot of uh, a lot of juice up the middle. Now, is Michael Bennett going to help you stop the run when he's playing up the middle? No, not at all. Uh, but it kind of goes to what we're saying, uh, what we've been saying. Excuse me. Run, but. You bait them to run. Right. Hey, you see Michael Bennett? Hey, why don't you check out of that pass play that could get you 20 yards? And why don't you run the ball and get eight? And that's a nice play, but it's not 20. And you're not going to do it over and over and over and over. So, And what you're saying is, just analytically speaking, you'd like teams to run against you. Yeah. You're going to score more points, accumulate more yards. Some we've been talking about the Cowboys' offensive side. But it's funny because this week... You know, you hear all these people like they gotta stop Saquon Barkley. I'm like, no, they don't. No, let let Saquon Barkley get his. Where Daniel Jones and the Giants' passing game will kill you is through the air. You'd like you'd rather them run with Saquon, he get his, and then you're you're not throwing the football. You know, and, and this is a, a great week to uh, consider all these things. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'd like to test this out in modern NFL, and I'm sure there's stats about this. But if Saquon goes for, like, you know, on the website, 1053thefan.com, Cowboys win if, Giants win if, whatever. Right. Well, five years ago, I think my response would have been, well, if Saquon runs for 150-plus, then you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. But are you 
Are you worried? Like, if Saquon runs for 150-plus, now if he does it on 10 carries, then I'm a little nervous. But chances are he runs for 150-plus. He's doing it on 20 carries. Are you worried about that? So he's missed four, five, six. He missed three games this season. Uh, in two, in the first two games, he was 11 for 120 against the Cowboys in a loss, and 18 for 107 against the Bills in a, in a 28-14 loss. So there's two games he was over 100 yards and lopsided losses. Then he missed he missed weeks, or no, and then against Tampa, he got injured in the game in which he had eight attempts for 10 yards, and they won the game. Eight, eight carries for Saquon Barkley, 10 yards. They won 32-31 over Tampa. So they had to throw more. They didn't have Saquon. They didn't have a viable running game. They threw more. Uh, then he misses weeks four, five, six, comes back week seven, and has 18 for 72 in a loss to Arizona, and then the following week, 19 for 64 against Detroit, another loss. So long way to say it, they, they, like most offenses, are going to have success when they find a, a balance that probably skews heavier to pass, especially given Daniel Jones has been pretty good when he's throwing the football. Especially when he's got time. Uh, which is another reason why having Michael Bennett helps because right. he creates chaos. You know, the one thing that Daniel Jones has struggled with is giving the ball to the other team when he's under pressure, kind of like another yeah, former Giants quarterback or another, I guess, current Giants quarterback in Eli Manning. Uh, so ultimately, big picture, the acquisition of me, you're right. So let's say all of this doesn't work out. Let's say that Michael Bennett – uh, is such a liability when he's playing up the middle, which he's not always going to do. You know, he will right. play on the edge sometimes. Uh, that teams uh, teams run all over the Cowboys, and he says some inflammatory things in the media, and they determine that it's not a fit, and blah blah blah. Well, then you know what? Say goodbye to Michael Bennett, and you're no worse for the wear. Uh, so uh, I, I I am excited. I do like this. I don't know what sort of a an impact he's going to have. You know, I, someone brought this up, and I think it's it's very true. The Patriots don't just give guys away. Uh, I know that he had some some issue with Brett Bielema, and and the Patriots also don't really tolerate any extra noise uh, from he also, certain guys. He, he wasn't exactly a scheme fit either, right? Didn't yeah? They you know he's not he wasn't in the best place for him, uh, and maybe the Patriots just wanted to get rid of him. But uh, I guess let me ask you this. When the Patri- if, if the Patriots acquired Ari Temkin, like if there was some headline, Bill Belichick acquires, you know, James White gets hurt. Because you're, you know, you're, you're not, you're kind of like James White's size. You're not as ripped as he is. But, I'm, I'm pretty ripped. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, especially right now with your pants off. Uh, so James White gets hurt and, and there's news, you know, Bill Belichick acquires Ari Temkin. Well, everyone would be like, who the hell is Ari Temkin? But we'd also at the same time being like, this Ari Temkin guy must be really good because it's it's the Patriots. Right. And, and you know, right. it, I used to say the same thing about the Spurs. Uh, and so I guess my point is, can you be that organization where you turn another team's garbage into gold? You know, can you take Michael Bennett, who, you know, wasn't working, wasn't a fit, whatever the case was right. in New England, and turn him into your gold? I'm curious to see if the Cowboys can do that. Yeah. I mean, look, if it's something that they've done, Will McClay, that's his specialty. But to your point, that just doesn't happen with the Patriots on the losing side very often. All right, now to the move that didn't happen, which was Jamal Adams. Obviously went to Hebron High School, local kid, has a Dallas Stars tattoo. I got I got intel on that. Okay. So he's not a Stars fan, but he does love DFW and thought the logo is cool. 
But the Stars reached out and were like, hey, if this guy's a Stars fan, we'll send him a jersey. And apparently they were like, no, he's not really a Stars fan. He just has our logo tattooed yeah. on him forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure that he It could... is a cool logo. It's a green D. Yeah. It's got the star. So it's, yeah. I'm it... sure he... I'm sh- I don't think he doesn't like the Stars. I just don't get the sense that... He likes Dallas more than he likes the Stars. Yes, yes. He's a big fan of DFW. He loves DFW. Um, would you... Let's... Jerry on the fan this morning with with KNC Masterpiece said that he that, that what's being reported was true. So as it pertains to Jamal Adams. So let's just assume the Cowboys were like, hey, we're going to give you a first round pick and maybe one of our backup offensive linemen because that certainly seems to be what's being reported. And they're like, actually, we'll take a number one and then two twos. So a, a number two this year, number one, number two this year, and then a, a number two next year. Should the Cowboys have done that? Done that? Done that trade? That 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 is, if correct, three top sixty-four picks over the next two years. Would you do that for Jamal Adams? Should they have done that for Jamal Adams? Yes. Really? Yes. I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah. Oh, just clarify something for me. Contract situation for Jamal Adams. He is under contract you got, on a rookie deal. Right. Two more yes, years? Two, two more. more okay. Years. That Next doesn't include... The fourth year and then the fifth year okay. option the year after. Got that. it. Okay. That's that's what I, I... I forgot whether the fifth year was... Okay. Yeah, I do it. I think I do it. And I think I do it because uh, I don't think this team is far away. And they don't have a playmaker in the secondary. No. They don't. They don't have hor- a horrible secondary... There's not a playmaker in the secondary. You know, the the one playmaker maybe they have doesn't play. That's Jordan Lewis. Uh, you know, he's he's the only guy who's really demonstrated right. he will he right. will make plays. No, but but he's not. It, Adams isn't an Earl Campbell. No, Earl, Earl Thomas. Who's so not Earl Campbell either? You're right. <laughs> he's neither. He's not Earl Campbell. He's not. Uh, he, he's, he's no, he's, you, not, he's a he's a you know he's more of a downhill. Now he can play in coverage. He's better yeah. in coverage than maybe most people expect him to be, considering his strength in the running game. But but. He's a playmaker, just a different kind of playmaker. You know why I'm – you know, if you asked me this uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe my answer is different. But I can't, I just think when I think second-round pick, I think Tristan Hill. And I'm, uh, and it, that's not fair because the Cowboys have done a good – I mean, Demarcus Lawrence is a second-round right. pick, right? You know, uh, it, it they, they've drafted really well. I guess just in my head it's like you're not going to have a great first-round pick this year. I don't think. No. I mean, it could it could totally crater. Uh, I think I would do it, and I think I would do it because, you know, you look at the Rams. The Rams made some moves last year that were like, oh my gosh, this is going to cripple them in a couple years, and it it might. You know, the Rams in a couple years might be in a really rough Rams spot. Have gone all in. Yeah, but you know they were they were a Super Bowl team, and you know it wasn't like they got totally manhandled uh, in the Super Bowl by the Patriots. It, it was a, a boring but competitive game. Uh, and I just you you never quite know what the the deal's going to be in a couple years. We can sit here and say, "Well, the Cowboys have set up this great foundation with Zeke and Dak," and but who knows? Right. I mean, who right. knows? Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, and so I think I'd have to at least. I, I don't want to say I'm like 99 percent. Yes, you got to do it. I'd say I'm 58 percent. Yeah, you do that deal. So I see what you're saying. I, I and I don't, I don't. I wouldn't say I disagree with it because I agree with it. Um, Take your chance. You know, they've clearly missed the second round this year. The thing that I find so frustrating is 
Like they've had opportunities to improve that position and they haven't. Yeah. It's like they're suddenly desperate when like they could have drafted Taylor Rapp, safety out of out of Washington. This is a guy that Jeff Kavanaugh loved in the second round. He was there for that fifty eight. Jeff also loved Xavier Woods, but But no, Taylor Rapp's been really good. And, and, I love you, Jeff. And Jeff Jeff's not listening to this. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff I was talking to him today and he was saying you know, he's really Rap has really come on strong for the Rams, and they're using him as kind of an extra linebacker, right? Like exactly what the Cowboys need. The Cowboys, in trying to trade for Jamal Adams, acknowledged that they're they don't trust Jeff Heath. That's that's what that is. He's not been good against the run at the second level runs. Jamal Adams is not going to like get anything get behind him. Like he's got a lot of upside in a lot of areas, Jamal Adams. Like what he's gonna do for you fundamentally is nothing is getting nothing in the running game is getting past that second level. So they, they've acknowledged that they've missed safety. But it's like, how did you not know this the offseason? You could have spent – you could have gone out in free agency and done something a little bit more to improve it other than the the guy that they signed that they cut after camp who was a veteran who people were like, he'll, he'll start. But then we, I can't remember the guy's name. He was not good. Uh, the guy they signed for the Vikings last year was along with the uh, the, the Bengals. Oh, uh, jo- no, uh, yeah. George uh, – Yeah, Aloka. George Aloka, that's right. Like that's That's what they did. And Donovan Wilson, who they got in the sixth round, yeah. who they have no interest in playing right now. So it's like, I don't understand how they've... Like, I, they're a smart organization in terms of how they build their personnel. I don't know why they've handled... Because they, they seem to not put much stock in safety, but then they're like, but now let's go potentially get in contra- a, a, a trade talk for Jamal Adams. Now, maybe they were just looking for value, and if they could get him for a first-round pick, they should do that. And they were, had never had any intention of giving up multiple other picks or even second, you know, whatever the case might be. But it's like, it's just so bizarre to me how suddenly this wasn't a priority at all the offseason when you had ample opportunity to, to fortify this position. Suddenly now it is it is an issue that you need to have fixed. You know, you're right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, you're shopping for a, a sofa and it's Labor Day and you get this sale and you can get a really quality sofa at half the price, but you're not... I don't know. I don't like the color. Is it comfortable? I'm not going to get a chance. It doesn't fit my scheme. It doesn't fit me. Yeah, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm going to pass. And then you're like, gosh, we really need a sofa. And now the Labor Day sales are past you. And it's all the Christmas prices time, are jacked. Everything's up. Right. No, you're, but you're, you're so right. Uh, and and that, that is true. Uh, because even if you do make the Jamal Adams deal, uh, and even if it does seem to work out, yeah, you have to ask yourself the question, well, did we have to give up all this inventory? To improve, I mean, maybe we couldn't have gotten Jamal Adams, but could have improved right. other ways. Right. And you know, I wonder. You talked about lack of trust in Jeff Heath. What about the the performance of Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith? How much does their performance impact maybe the the need to fill that sort of a void? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I mean, because I think Jeff Heath and the run game support didn't hurt you as much when those guys were balling out and getting everything in that second level. That's a good point. The other thing about Jamal Adams is, like, what's – the Cowboys are going to win a Super Bowl, quote-unquote, based on what they do offensively. Like, they, they do have to be better defensively. They have to be somewhat credible. But even, like, the Rams last year, they're a good example of – they were pretty average to below average statistically, defensively, all year, but then suddenly got good defensive performances in the postseason. And – like, I, I just don't know that Jamal Adams helps Jason Garrett not sabotage the offense. <laughs> is that, is that, how does that sound? That's good. I, like, because 
I still think this team is going to go as far as their offense could take them. And what we saw is sometimes this offense can be upbeat and good and modern, and then other times it's gets bogged down and downhill and it's old and it's what we saw from Scott uh, Linehan last year. And, and so it's it's kind of like he doesn't Jamal Adams doesn't help that. He doesn't help my offense not get bogged down by these Jason Garrett downhill running power football type stuff. That's the other part where I'm like, I don't need Jamal Adams because he's not helping me there. No, that's fair. Yeah, and and you are giving up a lot, and you're giving up. You know, as much as I make that Tristan Hill comment earlier, you're giving up a lot for a team that's shown an ability to find talent. Uh, but the Tristan Hill thing—that's what sucks about this—is there were guys. There were guys. There were guys. There were guys. The last two years, or, or sorry, two of the last three years, there were guys. Last year, you're fine with LVE, we think. Uh, but two years ago was Taco, right? And there was TJ. And there are probably other guys. I'm not even just right. not off. You know, I just my head is so fixed on the fact that TJ Watt was there. But I think there were other guys that you know we we maybe uh, and like find the, use for. And especially at the safety position, like the Cowboys have this just weird like they don't even have a prototypical strong safety. They're just like we're okay with average to below average, unless it's like this specific guy. Like they, it's really weird how nobody fits the scheme. You know, like why. I just don't – why don't you draft Taylor Rapp? Why don't you draft Juan Thornhill? Why, like, any of these guys were on the board. They all went off the board between, like, 60 and 62, and you took it 58. Or 60 and 63, you took him at – you know, you took Tristan Hill at 58. That's the thing that's, that's most upsetting about it. All right. Um, we have some questions you want to get to here? We do. Make I sure was to just... tweet us your, your questions every week. We ask for questions at RE Sports, at Jared Sandler. Yeah. Uh, and follow me on Twitter because you're already following Jared because he's, I don't know, I don't know if he bought followers or what, but he's got like 40,000. No, you know what happened? Oh, I, can't, I don't know if 50, I can go full, 000. I don't know if I can go full disclosure, but there are uh, uh, some people, uh, part of the radio station who just one day were like, you need to follow, you know, when I first started, follow uh, at Jared Sandler or whatever. And then like five minutes later, I got like 5,000 more followers. <laughs> I don't know, like if they, who has that power. Oh uh, well, was there I don't an know. Individual talent at the radio station that did this. And they, I, can I speak with them? They um, it was Sean Sharif, wasn't it? it <laughs> no, it wasn't Sean. <laughs> um, maybe we'll uh, talk about it another time. <laughs> but uh, okay, so we have some questions. Uh, let's see. A, start. Let's start with an star? easy one. What's that? Was it a porn star? Um, I don't know if this person. I mean, not to my knowledge, okay. but but anything's uh, possible. One of the one of the Fellas might be. I don't know. Kevin Garnett told me anything's possible. Anything is possible, yeah. Uh, All right, this question from Daniel. Which position group is underperforming the most based on preseason expectations? Linebacker. Yeah. I I wanted to say it before you because I knew you were going to say it, so I want to be the smart one that said it first. No, I agree. You're right. I want to. I see. I have the mentality of I want to be like Ari. So (laughs) if he says it, I'm going to say it too. No, you're right. Like. 20 seconds ago, you just brought up how disappointed linebackers yeah. have been. No, I, I, and that's that's the truth. Uh, you know, I, I do think in some ways the secondary has been a disappointment. And I think in some ways the line's been, offensive line's been a disappointment. Yep. But I just think that w- we we put LVE and Jalen Smith on this pedestal and uh, it just hasn't really happened. You know, that, that LVE has not been as good and Jalen Smith just hasn't been good. Uh, so right. I agree. Right. I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's been. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit it on the head. The secondary linebackers and offensive line have probably been the most. Well, disappointing. let me let me ask you this way: Which group has either met or exceeded expectations? I'd say that Dak has has certainly not 
fallen short of expectations. I think, you know, it's such a controversial topic. Some people would say he exceeds. Some people say he's met. I, I think he's maybe even exceeded. I think he's exceeded expectations. Um, Wide receivers, I think, have exceeded expectations. There was a lot of talk about Gallup taking a huge step this year. He has. You know, obviously, suffering the injury hurt him a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the wide receiving core. I think Cobb has kind of been hit or miss this year, um, and you expect to have injuries with him, and he hasn't been as injured as he's been, and you know, as he was with the Packers. But I think the receivers certainly is a group that have exceeded expectations. Running backs? No. I mean, what? what's Tony Pollard? Yeah. They haven't, I mean, and, and Zeke's been, he had, you know, he's had a couple of good games, but I guess the expectations for, maybe that's unfair because the expectations for Zeke are that he's one of the two or three best running backs in the league, and he hasn't been. No, that's true. Um, is is it Tony Pollard's fault? No. Well, okay, I guess on the surface, no. Maybe there are things beneath the surface that he hasn't done that, but. It's I, Jason Garrett's fault. Let's yeah. just blame Jason Yeah, Garrett. no, no, I agree. Uh, <laughs> Brett Maher. Is he met expectations? I mean, he's really good now. Suddenly, yeah, he kicked it from like the moon. They need to sign. They need to have two kickers. They need to have a. I don't know what happened to kicking in the NFL. There are a lot of bad kickers. A and lot of bad kickers. Yet I, I get the sense that guy. I love numbers. I get the sense guys are hitting fifty to fifty-six yard field goals at a way higher rate now than they were ever. ever. That's yeah, true. that's true. That, but now it's like they can't hit from forty to forty-eight or something. <laughs> I don't, and there's like. Like the Bears were eliminated last year with a bad kicker, and they they lost the Chargers last week because they couldn't kick from thirty some yard. Like the Falcons, they couldn't kick, and then they brought Matt Bryant back from the dead, and then he couldn't kick. He missed an extra point tie game, yeah, and they lost because of it. And then they 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 just cut him again. Nick Folk, Nick Folk was like working for a capital like a a fund in Dallas, and now he's going to kick for the Patriots. Nick Folk. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> was like working in corporate America with Bryce Petty. Was work Nick Folk is working for this like capital fund oh, Bryce in Dallas working with Bryce Petty, and now he's kicking for Wait, the Patriots. Bryce Petty's already like out of football. Yeah, yeah, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I interviewed him on my Sirius XM show, and then I looked up what he was. I asked him what he was doing. Now he's like, yeah, I'm working for this capital. I don't know. I'm working for billionaires who invest money. Is basically oh, wow. what he said. And then I looked it up, and I was like, Nick Folk also works there, and he just got signed by the Patriots to go kick. Well, what's uh, Matt Moore was uh, Matt Moore was like teaching or something earlier this year, and now he's yeah. the quarterback of the Chiefs and actually not doing that badly. Thanks, yeah. Andy Reid. It's almost like your scheme matters. It's weird. All right, so let's go to the next question. This one coming former Dallas Cowboys great. What's that? Was did Matt Moore play with the Cowboys? Yeah, yeah. yeah former Dallas Cowboys great. Um, Greg Bailey and Andy Goodman, I guess a joint Twitter account. What's your favorite '80s movie and your favorite '80s sports movie? Andy Goodman, huh? Unbelievable. He's my arch nemesis. Do you know who this is, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's this? Andy Bailey or Andy Goodman? Andy Bailey. Who's Andy Goodman? He's a friend of mine. Oh, just a friend. Yeah, but not someone like I would know. Or you should, yeah. You should know him. How? You're plugged into the Dallas Jewish community very well. I, I no, feel like no, I meet I'm people not. constantly. Like, oh, you know Jared Sadler? Like, no, that's I, any, not true. Any. Any Jewish person that I meet, and we can say this, being both a part of the Dallas Jewish community, or tribe members. Any, and they're like, oh, it's like as soon as they find out I work for a radio station, they don't even know that I work for the fan. They're like, oh, you know Jared Sandler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally everyone. I just met somebody yesterday. Who to the Green Hill? Who's that? Uh, Jeff. Like not during, not at Green Hill oh, when you were there. Okay, Jeff, did he go to the University of Florida? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And His I, kids and my cl- my kids. Oh, class. really? Yeah. yeah, I like Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I know Jared. It's like give, look, everybody you know, knows Jared. You, get, you know, he's not going to shoot the three on you, so you can give him a little space. <laughs> Plays hard. He blocked my shot once. I was really frustrated. Um, yeah, I, know, I like Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's a good guy. But I, like, how do you, he? His kid and my kid are in the same class. You don't have any children. I don't. I, I you know everybody. Everybody I meet knows you. It's funny. It's I'm kind good. of a Dallas. Can I say like a Dallas celebrity? No, whore. I was going to go whore. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'll talk to anyone, um, especially if you don't like Rugi, then, uh, you know, we'll go back and forth. Uh, all right. Favorite 80s movie. Favorite 80s movie. Jared, what year were you born? <laughs> I barely made the 80s. 89. Yeah, I, I'm 85. Um, So it's got to be. Are you familiar with John Hughes movies? Yeah. So John Hughes had those like Home Alone, but like a, and Home Alone's like a '90s movie. So I'll just go with any John Hughes movie as my favorite '80s. Seems like a cop out answer, but okay. All right, how about Ordinary People? Ordinary People. Ordinary People. Okay. Or Back to the Future. Yeah. Or E.T. Okay, now you're like now you're just well, rattling just off all of them. I googled '80s movies, so now I've like actually got movies to go off of. Uh, I feel like 80s movies are kind of like 80s music and in, in that I don't like any of them. I'm just kidding. No, there's a lot of good 80s movies. I, I'm going to go with The Shining. It's my favorite 80s movie. Okay. I will not. I don't like scary movies. Uh, favorite 80s sports movie? The Shining. Definitely. Uh, man, the, you know, there were some really good 80s. I'm, I'm looking up right now because I, I want to make sure like within the 80s. But Major League won an 80s movie? Major League was 89. Uh, Hoosiers, 86. Uh, Bull Durham, 88. Field of Dreams, which I, I gosh, I know this, I can't say this. Field of Dreams, I think like a little overrated. I think Hoosiers um, is kind of overrated. Really, I like Hoosiers. Um, but but I agree. Rocky Four, which is the best of the Rockies, was in the eighties. Uh, sorry, Mike, but uh, Karate Kid overrated. Sorry. Um, well, okay, my favorite eighties movie in general would either be Fast Times or uh, Breakfast Club. Love the Breakfast Club. Uh, I'll go 80s sports movies. I'll go, if I can go two, since you listed like 17, I'll go Hoosiers and Major League. <laughs> I'll go Airplane because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is in it. All right, that works. All right, uh, any other questions? Yeah, I think we do. Uh, this one from uh, from Drew. Are we going to see a high-tempo offense versus conservative in the first half of this week's game? Yes. Oh, you wanted me? you want me to expand on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're gonna. They should build a lead on this team, and so once they do that, they they're comfortable enough then to like go outside the box and do modern things and be good on offense, as opposed to if they get down. Now they want to be, Jason Garrett, run yeah. the ball. Let's we gotta stick to it. Girl, dance with the girl you brought. Yeah. So, um, fingers crossed that they build a lead on a bad team. I would agree with that. I don't. I don't. Uh, no expansion for me, Your Honor. <laughs> I think that's it for questions. All right, I'm I am uh, horribly, I'm optimistically pessimistic about the Cowboys this year. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? They're going to win the division. Uh, as of now, I think they win the division and get bounced in the first round. Yeah, yeah. They they have the pieces to be a Super Bowl team. I don't trust the people that are put in charge to scheme them. To put them in position to be a championship. Yeah, I would that agree. Makes sense. Yep. Because we'd have to see something we've never seen. Yeah. It, it. 
Yeah, it's like fool me once, whatever the right. saying is, fool me twice. It'd be like fool me 12 times. <laughs> fool me 100 times. Yeah. No, I agree. Do you think – so Monday Night Football, the pregame show starts, I don't know, 4-ish. The, on the fan? Yeah, I should probably you should know. Probably know, yeah. Uh, but I've got I've got a few days. Yeah, yeah, I figured it out. Um, but you know, and then Brad and Babe will have the call after seven o'clock, and then myself and Jeff Cavett will have the post game show on one oh five three the fan. You are they gonna win? Yeah, I think they should win thirty four to fourteen. The thirty one to fourteen is what I think I said on the one oh five three the fan website. I I, the, I think the Giants 31 to 14 or yeah. 34 to 14. Well, whatever. Whichever one's closer to being right is the one I'll go with. Well, it's either a Brett Maher field goal or it's not. Well, I'll go 31 to 14. Right, because uh, he's going to miss. I think that... He misses uh, to make yeah. it 34. Yeah, could, yeah. that's exactly where going to be sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go 31 to 14, and I think they control the game. I, and, and you sort of just said it, too. I think they control the game. Get in, get out, take care of business, get ready for Sunday night the next week. I'll make my official prediction on the official pregame show of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's like I think the Giants' offense to score a little bit now with them. Absolutely. I, listen, I think the Giants are in a much better place moving forward uh, today than they were when these two teams met at the beginning of the year. I will go with the Cowboys win, and I, I like 31 is the number, but I'll go 31-27. Wow, you think it's a close game? All right. The line is four and a half, so I'm going to go with Jason Garrett as a home favorite is not the greatest in covering. Yeah, you're right. You've said that before. He's not at home. They're they're on the road. Um, But still worth noting just for a future game. (laughs) But they did cover against the Eagles. Yes. All right, so coming up next, it'll be our interview with Randall Cobb. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, if there you are a sponsor, this would be your added. This is the space where you can promote your business. Go to www.yourwebsite.com and use the promo code Ari and Jared to get 20% off of whatever your order is. Yeah, and then when they say it's declined, don't come and knock. <laughs> uh, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter so that you get updates on this podcast each and every week for Star Chat. Ari Temkin, Jared Sandler, but coming up next, it's Randall Cobb. On Star Chat, let's talk with Randall Cobb of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, we were just talking a little bit about Kentucky football. Obviously, that's a, a common discussion point around, around this locker room, right? Uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> not so much. But, yeah, you know, we, we do keep up with some of the football, college football. And especially the SEC is a big one, um, LSU-Alabama next weekend. So there's obviously guys in this locker room that went to LSU, Alabama. Who, I mean, who's going to win next weekend? Uh, you know, it's... It's hard to bet against Alabama, but if any year would be the year that LSU would take it, it, it would this have to be right? this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been pretty impressed with the quarterback they got uh, down in LSU, and you know their defense is always top notch. So I think it's going to be a battle. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say LSU is going to pull it out this year. Yeah, Burrow has been fantastic, hasn't he? I mean, he he Tua has like for for years. It's like he's going to be the number one pick, and now right. Burrow might be the number one overall pick. You, you never know. You never know. I, I wouldn't. I mean, Jalen Hurts is still out there, too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, true. It'll, it'll be interesting, uh, this next draft coming up. Yeah. All right, so how'd you, what'd you do during the bye week? Did you do anything fun? Did you stay around or what? Uh, I got out of here. I relaxed a little bit. Kind of went off the grid. So, you know, hit out and became a woodsman. Nice. <laughs> what does that mean? Exactly what I said. Like axing? I off the grid. So with, I well, what, what do you mean be, become a woodsman? Like, does that, like, no, I mean, no, I was joking, you man. going with axes and chopping down no, trees and forerunners? I was relaxing. No, <laughs> no was axes going. and forerunners yeah. then? Because that's it what wasn't I... wasn't very much activity. It was more eating and sleeping for me. Yeah, for sure. 
the first game of the season against the Giants, your first game with the Cowboys, first game of this new offense, you had a pretty good game, 70 yards, a touchdown. What what went right for you in that game? Um, what went right? Um, I don't know. But, I mean, for it to be uh, your the first most, game with the team. I got opportunities, and, you know, I made I made the plays when they came my way. Uh, you know, I got a got an easy touchdown over the middle, uh, play action, pulled the linebackers up, and, you know, I was open right behind them. Uh, you know, third down, made a, made a catch, fought for the sticks, you know, so I don't remember what else happened that game. I have... I haven't watched. I haven't went back and watched that game yet. Been watching a little bit of the Giants here more recently. So, yeah. I mean, how much do you balance in terms of the film you watch leading up to a team like the Giants early in the season versus how much they've changed now to where they are today? Uh, yeah, you just balance it. You take it all into tune. You definitely watch and see how they played played you personally and you as an offense. Uh, but you also got to see what they've been doing defensively over the last few games, scheme changes, uh, coverage changes, and just see how they're playing them. Uh, where, where, where's your preferred spot to play? I mean, is it in the slot, or do you like to do you like to, to play on the outside? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's preferred in the slot, but I don't mind playing outside. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy being on the field wherever it is, you know. You always you talk about going back to my Kentucky days. I did everything there. I just I just love the game. I love being out there and you know contributing for the team. How easy has it been you for you to transition? I mean, this is your second NFL team, but you're a veteran. So I mean, how how, how easy or difficult has the transition been? Because even though you're been in the league for a long time, it's the first time with a new team. Uh, I think the transition has been easy, and I, I think that goes to um, you know the guys in this locker room, uh, the coaching staff. Um, training room, equipment, equipment staff, tra- uh, strength and conditioning, they, they've made the transition easy for me. They've made me feel like I'm a part of it Like from the day I walked in. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's definitely a great place. Quarterback has to lead. So with your experiences having played quarterback at the highest level, I mean, do you evaluate the leadership of the quarterback in a different way than maybe a receiver might? Uh, it's not my job to evaluate leadership, but, but even just but like internally, I know, I know. But let me let me get to it. Sure, you sure. Know, it it's not my job to evaluate his leadership, but if a guy is leading and you like you feel something, you want to follow him, and that's the that's the trait that that, that has. So it doesn't really matter if you had if you've been a quarterback before. Yeah, or not. and and no, it doesn't matter if you've been a quarterback or not. You know, if you. You know your leaders. You you can you can feel them. You can hear them. Their energy is contagious. You want to follow them, and you know that's that's what being a follower is when you have a leader, and and Dak has that presence on this team, and you know guys are behind him. Different leader than maybe Aaron at Rodgers is. Is everybody always wants to compare people? Right, right. But but it manifests itself it's, in different ways, right? Yeah, it manifests itself in two totally different ways. Uh, their personalities are couldn't be more opposites but you know that that doesn't mean you're not able to attract leadership or attract followers based off of uh, different leadership qualities good luck this week and good luck the rest of the season man thank you i appreciate it i grew up in chicago so you know big